1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of footy, Afternoons with Ian Cohen. For Volvo, get run-out prices on the entire Volvo model year 16 range. And Logical Staffing Solutions, hiring truck drivers for an immediate start. Logicalstaffing.com.au I love the way people bounce up and down when it's their music. Carlos Alberto Diego is just bouncing up and down on the chair as the king's just singing the tunes. Welcome, my great man. How are you there, Cozy? Yeah, Cozy. Yes, John Michael. Thank you. Well it's going to stick with you now, mate. It'll stick with John Michael, i tell you what. But it is very cozy in this studio, Cova, uh, because... Uh, We've, uh, in 2005, the last time I worked with you on radio, we did uh, 31 days straight. Day six, yep. Yes, uh, of uh, the World Cup. Uh, and we just went, we went on that, ju- that journey with the Socceroos when we just didn't know what was going to happen with uh, Gus Hinnig and from the game against Japan. Uh, well, it's Gus's birthday today, too. Oh, is it? Okay. And uh, no doubt he's reflecting on this, too. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you know, it was just a terrific uh, stint on radio with you back. In 2005, and what that whole journey, the the highs and the lows, and there weren't too many lows. There was a lot of excitement yeah. and a lot of fantastic performances by the Socceroos. But uh, every day, talking for an hour on SEN yep. about it, we really immersed ourselves, didn't we? You're making me feel very old, Carlos. <laughs> uh, make me feel very old. But yeah, no, look, it was indeed. Uh, you're quite right because we were able to analyse what the Australians were doing. I mean, they had uh, what Brazil and Japan to contend with, and, and uh, Croatia in the end. Yeah, and we got over the line there in dramatic circumstances. And of course, is that etched in your memory? Is that, I mean, do you sort of look back on that and say, wow? You know, I I reckon I've watched every Socceroo game since the early 70s on on either live or on uh, on replay of some sort. As soon as you could get a hold of it. Yeah, I don't think I've missed a Socceroo game uh, for all that time. And I think when Timmy Scale equalised against Japan and then got the winner, uh, I just remember being. In, in my living room with my wife and it was just those moments where we just didn't expect it and it was just that big wow moment uh, and I don't I think you know people who watch world football and they're engrossed there's games all over the world and you're watching it every week all these games from Italy from Germany from Spain from England well, even the Asian league yeah, now, yeah 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 every, you're just watching it all the time but I find it rare where it's just you know that one moment and uh, that Timmy Cale performance uh, in that Japan game was unbelievable. And then Harry Kuehl scoring the equaliser against uh, Croatia that got us through to the next round. And that was another moment. So I, I suppose getting two of those moments or three of those moments in the same World Cup involving an Australian team. But of course, you know, Timmy Kale volley against Holland yeah, in the 2014 yeah. World Cup. Yep. I was in the stadium for that with the other Diegos. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where... You know, it's easy to pick out. It's like the John Aloisi penalty, for example, oh. you know, that got us to the 2006 World Cup. It's just those moments, even though it was a little bit of a build-up with, with Johnny's, the others were just out of the blue type uh, you know, goals, which you never expect would come, and they did, and it was just a, a terrific moment. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Are you as old as Carlos <laughs> and I and able to remember back to those days? Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Give us a bell. Tell us your... Uh, moment, I suppose, when you jumped... Because you would have been up out of the couch. Oh, yeah. The poor bride would have been sitting next to you. Next minute, the Doritos would have been going everywhere. The nachos out there. My wife was crying. I, I just remember she was crying. She, she was so you belted happy. her on the way out of the couch. <laughs> no, she was just... She was so emotional over that moment. Uh, and uh, it's funny because you know, I don't... 
I don't remember my wife crying too many times, but she cried when uh, I when Timmy Cale thrown your hands back in exuberance <laughs> when Timmy Cale scored those goals, and then of course when John Aloisi scored his penalty, there were two moments where uh, yeah the, the tears absolutely flowed. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Couple of Elmore packs up for grabs. Also, uh, we've got tickets to Melbourne United versus Sydney Kings. You can go and see Gazy's mob in there as well. Uh, some uh, Jack Links beef jerky and a couple of Bataki hams as well. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Because those moments. Uh, are etched obviously into sporting fans' minds, and I reckon people would have different moments because part of that too is where you are, mm. where mm. you are, which which pub you're with, which mates you're with, who you're with at the time that also help those moments be etched. And and if you're seeing it live, you can yeah. almost go back and name where you were sitting at that particular time, what seat you had in the stadium, who was sitting to the left and the right. Well, the interesting one was when Timmy scored the the volley against Holland. It literally came out of nowhere. A long ball by McGowan from back half and suddenly and Tommy the off the laces back. just... It was as good a goal as you'd see in any era of international football. But around the Diego's, because we there was four of us and a few people on the tour were on, but they were all Dutch around us too. These Dutch, these entitled Dutch supporters <laughs> who believe that they've always been the best in the world, a bit unlucky not winning things. They had Johan Cruyff. They, and to see a Tim Cale goal like that, and us playing so well against the Dutch at that point in time too, and all these entitled supporters around us, it was very special because suddenly I looked at them and they're saying, my God, this guy's not a bad footballer and you guys are playing quite well against a really good Dutch team. Yeah, and which country are you from again? So what was, what was your name? <laughs> We're not from Austria, that's for sure, or America. So, uh, Joseph at South Moran. G'day, Joseph. Hello, boys. You well? Yes, very good. Well, I'm going to the complete opposite. I went to the Australian run and met MC. Mate. Yeah. Well, I dance to the left or the right, Joseph. You're just dropping in or out. Just dance to the left or right and go again. I can't dance. I'm in the car. But I'm just saying that game at the MCG where we just missed out on qualification. Yeah. Was oh, yeah. in my memory that, that kills me. Yeah, yeah, Joseph, I was actually uh, going to say that your memories could actually be the really bad memories yeah. too. And that, I was there at, in nineteen ninety seven against uh, the the Irani team, and uh, we real. I, I don't think I've seen an Australian team play better football than what they did on that night. I mean, in that team we had. We had the likes of uh, Zalic and Viduka and Harry, a really young Harry Kuehl, 18-year-old Harry Kuehl. Uh, we had all our big names in the one team. And we had Bosnich in goals. We were all over them. Uh, we should have scored maybe eight goals before the protester jumped on the field. And, you know, remember uh, uh, the protester, Peter Hoare, his name Peter was, Hoare, jumped all over there and suddenly that sort of into stopped. Into the net. Yeah, so, yeah. But, you know, uh, and then what happened after that was, you know, uh, the Iranians end up getting one goal very quickly and then got the second. Then one thinking, oh, we're, we're, we're still safe because it's two all. It might go an extra time. And I'm saying, no, uh, they've got two away goals and we already got one yeah, from, uh, from yeah, Tehran. Yeah, and yeah. so it was over. And I, I remember thinking, and I'm not a violent person at all, but I'm thinking these Iranian supporters are celebrating in the same stadium at the end of the game. I'm thinking, I can understand why hooliganism happens <laughs> because I was really upset and quite angry. But then the other one was, uh, of course, Lucas Neal's you know, tackle in 2006 yeah, yeah, uh, against, yeah. the, uh, against the Italian, uh, Grossi, who fell over the top of him, and the referee gave a penalty late in that game. I mean, they're the two moments that I, I, I remember just shattered me. Uh, so it's not only good stuff, it's also the bad stuff too.
That moment when Neil is just slow. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that is etched. Hey, well done, Joseph. Got us underway. Uh, Melbourne United, Sydney Kings uh, tickets coming your way for uh, Saturday the 12th. So that's this Saturday, 7.30 at Hisense. So, uh, Joseph, you are heading along there. Robert at Preston. Hi, Robert. G'day, guys. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, no, I was uh, actually, yeah, that's an interesting topic because I was actually over there for, the, for that 2006 uh, World Cup and I actually got to go to the uh, Croatia-Australian game. So that's all etched in my memory, I've got to say. It was just ebbed and flowed the whole game. We went down 1-0 very early on, then we equalised through the penalty. And and, and uh, how'd you handle Kalic's uh, brain explosion in goals where he went under his body? Well, I was sitting next to a German lady, and she just looked at me, and she goes, you changed your goalkeeper for him, and it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, well, how do I explain it? But um, Yeah, there was yeah. a story around that, wasn't it, Rob, where, uh, where Mark Swartz had been our keeper, uh, but there was a lot of talk that Gus Hiddink wasn't, wasn't a fan of Mark Swartz, and he made what I thought was a really gutsy decision, changing the goalkeeper, who hadn't done a lot wrong. Mark Swartz hadn't done a lot wrong, but he just he just felt he needed a change, and uh, Kalitz had been training the house down and put him in, and he just had a brain explosion. It nearly cost us the game. And I think he was getting a little bit too clever for himself. It almost backfired, and mm. you know, in the end we won. But the, the, um, I was in Berlin for the, um, for the uh, Japan game, and we were watching it there, and when... When Kale scored that goal, it was just mm. sort of like I hugged them. I hugged my cousin, and it was like I've never hugged a man or woman like that ever. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, but uh, yeah, just just great experiences. And I, and I thought even the Brazil game, I thought we played our best football against Brazil. I just thought that first half was absolutely world class. You know, just great football. Well done, Joseph. Appreciate your call. M in Doncaster, 1974, listening to Martin Aston's mm. commentary on 3LO live radio coverage as a 14-year-old. Jim Mackay scored against South Korea, went absolutely bonkers. So uh, well done to you, M. Partying in Fritz Walter Bar in Kaiserslautern with all the travelling Aussies, then heading home as the birds were chirping. And good morning. It was absolutely awesome. So, well, look, there's plenty of memories uh, coming in, absolutely. Uh, quick AFL update too. Uh, word out of uh, the Hawks is that, or there's reports, Ricky Henderson uh, to Hawthorne from Adelaide as well. So just quickly, AFL for a moment. Uh, Robert at Preston. Hi, Robert. That was Robert. Nick at West Footscray. Hi, Nick. And Paul at Ringwood. Let's try for the trifecta. Hey, Paul. Yeah, good afternoon. Look, you've got me. Look, um, I'm going back a fair bit, but I was watching it on television, but um, went to high school with Attila Obonyi. Yes. And for me, it was Beckenbauer professionally fouling Obonyi when I thought he was through to score. <laughs> wow. I don't. I don't remember the. I don't remember the game. I, I know the result, obviously, and I was a young kid, and I remember seeing the game, but I can't remember a lot about it. Uh, but that, you know, when I do watch bits and pieces of that '74 World Cup team, or a pack of, um, you know, uh, part timers uh, who were just a really spirited bunch under Rally Rasic, uh, there's been some great. We we played some decent football during that World Cup, and it was a World Cup when they only had 16 teams that qualified, and uh, our yeah. our group was West Germany, East Germany, and Chile. <laughs> And West Germany was, you know, I remember when Dad, you know, uh, when, when it all came out, I don't know how it came out in those days, where he, where he read it somewhere and he, and he said to me that, uh, you know, I was an eight-year-old and he said to me, we've got the three teams for the World Cup that we're up against. And I said, well, who are they? And he goes, West Germany, East Germany, Chile. And then he started laughing. I mean, he couldn't, uncontrollable laughter, uh, thinking that we got no chance at all. And I couldn't believe as a young kid, why can't Australia win this World Cup? Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, but then, you know, uh, I, I remember also in that game against Chile, uh, Branko Buljevic hitting the post. 
it was a really wet day and Ray Richards had been sent off. So, yeah, I mean, you maybe you want to go get those 74 videos again there, Nick, so we can have a look at them. Well done, Nick. Uh, good work by you. Paul at Ringwood. Hi, Paul. Uh, Adrian here, sorry. Hi, hey, Adrian. Yes, um, I just want to talk about the Croatia game. Something that sticks in my mind, and I reckon a lot of soccer fans was the only game that there was like three yellow cards given out during that game. <laughs> yes. and, and I remember sort of thinking, like, when he gave the, the last one, like, did I count right? Or was, <laughs> is everyone wrong? Or Yeah, he, yeah. He, gave, he gave the three yellow cards to Josip Simonic, who happened to be a former Australian, you know, like he was an Australian-born yep. player who played for Croatia. And, uh, yeah, the Graham Pohl, I think the goal referee was on the night and he just lost his mind completely. <laughs> he, like, he just, it, was, it was mayhem on that pitch at the end for us to get that result. But that's a good one, Adrian. Taking your calls at the moment, and we've got plenty to talk about too because, as I said, we've got Victory, Melbourne City, we've got Socceroos in the lead-up to Thailand. Loads and loads. Uh, just quickly off the SMS too, how long will it take for Victory's Northern End Terrace support to get back to its former glory? Too quiet at the moment, says Daniel. Well, it's just up to the supporters, I suppose. It's up to the group. Um, you know, they're not happy about a couple of things. They, they've, you know, it's uh, an indefinite period that they're apparently staying silent. Um, I don't know. I'm just from a different, different, uh, you know, a culture. In that, I go to the football to, you know, support. If I was, if I was supporting my team, I'd support my team. You know, the whole chanting thing that's really great and it's fantastic. But it's got to be about the team. And if the supporters aren't happy, I'm kind of still hoping they're going and and supporting. But they just, if they want, don't want to put a ban on their their chanting, that's fine. But I don't, I don't really understand it. Uh, obviously, they've got a gripe, uh, but. The game goes on, you know. Uh, well, you that's know, the thing. The, the game goes on. So in the end, you're the one missing out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how I see it. And, uh, and you know, it really doesn't – for me, unless you're human – I said this a few weeks ago – unless your human rights are impinged in some way, yeah. uh, you just know, get, just get to it. the football, yeah. support the team. That's what you're there for. That's how you were created in the first place. And, uh, and you know, I, I get told all the time I have no understanding of the issues. Yeah, but I, I just think a fan goes to the game and supports the team. And it's all about the team, isn't it? And the yeah. players and what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, Frank at East Keelor. Hi, Frank. Hello, boys. Hi, Carlos. Uh, a couple of things. On your opinion, Melbourne Victory, we're going to finish top four? One. Secondly, tell, I hope Kevin Musket can, you know, can hear me. There is a striker. With, he's played with the North Sunshine Eagles. He can play A-League with my eyes closed. Yep. Berisha is finished. Berisha... He's too slow. He's too heavy. Uh, he was good a few years ago, but yet he's big. And, uh, mate, we need somebody else up the front there because, mate, I don't think we can nowhere. Frank, with a 10-team competition, anything, anything can happen. There's only five games being played. Uh, we've seen moments this year that victory have struggled, but we've also seen some good patches. I thought in the first half against Sydney on the weekend, uh, you know, they should have been 3-0 up. I mean, the goals that they missed, including the penalty, uh, really were un rojas like un-Barisha-like. Even at a penalty, you expect Barisha to hit the target at least. So uh, they had their chances. I thought Sydney were very good. I, I, I haven't been a big fan of Sydney. I know they're clear on top at the moment, but I haven't been a big fan. But I had a close look at them on the weekend. And they're actually a, a really good side that's now decided to be competitive uh, more consistently. And I think that was their big issue last year. They just weren't competitive. They've always had good players, but they, you know, the whole team cohesion and doing it together as, as a group and, a, and going out there and fighting every week, that just wasn't there. But we saw that on the weekend. It was just a compelling big blue derby. Uh, I just loved the game. 
Um, There's always wash-up out of those games too. Always wash-up. Yeah. Where do you stand, obviously, with muskets work? Um, yeah. Well, just to address the other thing about the player yeah. in the lower leagues there, Frank. Frank, knowing the, uh, the scouting networks that are out there and knowing that, you know, players are coming out of the MPL and, and lower divisions at different times. I'd be very surprised if the network, the city network or the victory network didn't know about this player. Uh, and it's a big difference from playing, you know, in the state leagues and the MPL, even the top MPL sides to then pr- training professionally every day against quality players like your Tim Kales and Bruno Fornaroli's Barishas. Very big difference between, you know, the, the two. Uh, but players do graduate into that level. Uh, and uh, and this player, I'm pretty sure, is on the radar if he's what you say he is, Frank. So, But just on the wash-up of uh, yep. uh, Kevin Musket, um, it's really interesting. Like, Obviously, the big controversy on the weekend was David Carney's goal uh, where it looked in normal speed. He brought it down his chest and finished beautifully. Then the, they had the replay, and uh, not even the commentators, no one, not even the opposition, complained about the handball. Uh, it's just when the replays come at the up time. at the time, at the yeah, time. it didn't seem like the players were complaining. It just happened so quickly. The referee obviously didn't see it. Um, and uh, anyway, the replays showed there was a handball. It was a clear handball. It should have been picked up. It wasn't. And of course, that was a talking point at the end of the game. And uh, of course, Kevin used that as, uh, as one of the reasons why the team may have lost the game. And I, I think if you're really weighed up and everyone's being honest, they lost the game because they didn't finish off those goals in the first half. Uh, and I just wonder also how much of something like that is clinged onto by the referees, by the, by the coaches. A little smokescreen. There's a little bit of a diversion from the fact that they really mucked up that game themselves. Yep. Um, and they really allowed Sydney in the second half in, in, in particular – uh, to really, uh, you know, be the better side in that second half. Well, does that then lead on to what is going to happen with video referral? And when we know, we've seen it in a number of codes, it definitely slows things down. It doesn't always get them right either. That's the other yep. thing. It's nowhere near black and white. Yeah. I, 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 it's good news that Australia has been one of the six nations around the world who are going to trial what's called VARs, Video Assistant Referees. It's something that FIFA is finally starting to accept it could happen, but they need to test it out to make sure that there's not too much delay. Uh, and they're talking about cameras, you know, looking... So is this goal line? Well, is yeah, it's interesting. In play? Yeah, this... I think goal lines are, are given because that's happening all around the world anyway, in big leagues anyway. But I think they're talking about things like red card reviews. Right. They're talking about um, oh, they're, they're, they're three or four different things. It's around the penalty area type, uh, you know, penalties, uh, goal line, uh, red card reviews and a few others too. It's a real contentious ones, the ones the referees clearly don't pick up, but they're testing it to see whether those decisions can be made quite quickly. Okay, run through the mechanics of the last time we the, the weekend where we saw the handball goal. Who would actually have to put their hand up? Because at the time, referee no issue, opponents yep. no issue. So where is the trigger mechanism for that to then be analysed? Do you have a... Uh, a ref sitting there mm. watching the screen who suddenly says into the earpiece of the guy on the ground, yeah. hey, on, hold, hold, all bets are off. We've got to stand by here because I'm going to review it even though no one on the ground yeah. has had concerns. Where's the trigger mechanism? It, it makes it easier in that situation because a goal was scored and they've, they're walking back or they're running back, they're celebrating, they're running back. Uh, it's almost like the assistant linesman having the flag up okay. uh, at, at that time. It's But in general play, yep. if, if, you know, if... Uh, if 
something happens during general play and the and the ball's not stopped. That's really interesting how that's going to happen. But you're still going to have to have someone trigger it if the goal. I mean, yeah. you know, in cricket you see them do the tee, yeah. right? And they can actually say, well, I want to send it upstairs. Yeah. Who gets to trigger it? Well, maybe every goal gets bars. reviewed. But maybe every goal gets reviewed. Ooh, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, in AFL they say that uh, every, every goal... Yeah, yeah, and we sometimes through. see the ball come back to the middle and they go, oh, yeah. no, hang on a moment, yeah. everyone's got to go back Which to Which is the rare, square. by the way, but apparently they, yeah, they, we were always told that they review every goal. Now, there's less goals in soccer, football, and uh, so I don't see that being a really big issue. And with the goal celebrations and the time it takes to get back started again, you've probably got time to check to see whether there's anything, you know, because really no one, it didn't seem like, and I could be wrong here because I didn't see the victory players around, but even uh, Negro, the, the young boy who went up for the header and missed the header and... Carney sort of brought it down and scored. I don't think he complained either. Yeah. So um, it was one of those ones where it was totally understandable why it wasn't picked up. So if video refereeing does pick this up, it's fantastic for the game. Not so much, not so great for the coaches who use it as a, a diversion <laughs> yes. at the end in press conferences. Uh, yeah. But it might save some. Uh, it might save Kevin Muscat a bit of coin also with the fines that he gets uh, for talking out out of school later on. Twelve to three, Carlos Alberto Diego with us. Ted at Templestowe. Hi, Ted. Good day. How you going? Good, mate. Um, I wondered whether out of that game Saturday night you noticed something else. No comment, mate. On um, Austin blinked for a header. And he was outside the field of fight. They just put over. The ball had already left him, and Zula came crashing into him well after the ball had gone away, and then he hit the table. There was no comment about the foul play, even though it was up outside the field of play, it still was a free kick. Yeah, everyone's uh, really concentrating on uh, Zulo hitting that table, and uh, could have been some serious damage. Yeah. You know, with uh, I'm not sure why they had the table there. I was referee. We were tweeting out, you know, what about the OHS and all that sort of stuff, and uh, referees were tweeting back saying, "Listen, there is a rule that it was three meters away from the, the you know the sidelines there, and that's all it needs to be." I, I don't understand why you need to have the table there anyway. But every, all the focus was on Zulo could hit the ground, and we didn't know how badly he was injured. So I, I wasn't quite sure, Ted what actually happened there uh, with Austin. So I, I suppose the focus wasn't on that, and but no one's really talking about it except for you, Ted. So uh, maybe it wasn't as bad. But look, you know, obviously the focus is on the injured player instead. Mark at Essendon. G'day, Mark. G'day, guys. How you going? Good, mate. Um, I'm a Melbourne City member, and I've, I've been asking this question over Twitter um, to City supporters, but I can't get a definite answer. Just regarding John Van Skip's, future at the club. Is it fair to say that if he doesn't win, say, the FFA Cup um, or any silverware this season, could we see the end of him? Well, it's interesting, Mark, because we interviewed John Van Skip uh, a few weeks ago on the Diego's and we asked him about his future because there has been talk about this being his last year anyway. And he wanted to make it really clear that uh, that was something he said maybe 12 months ago. Uh, but things change all the time. But uh, like you said, he may not get that option too. He's got he's got the squad at the moment, absolutely got the squad. And uh, the way they played the derby against Victory was just so impressive. And everyone's saying they were playing equivalent to what the Brisbane Roar under Ange Postacoglu was playing a few years ago, uh, that sort of standard and style of play. 
but then we got the loss against Perth, which is really disappointing. Again, the loss against Brisbane uh, away from home last weekend. And, and suddenly question marks get asked, and they've got the squad right now. I mean, they've got the players. They've done really well getting the players, moving on the players. They were just fulfill, trying to fulfill their potential. Now they've got winners. Oh, absolutely, there. and great competitors, and they're real winners. So I think once they've got that together and we've seen their best, I think spotlight has to be on, on the coach. But I think John Van Skip, the little bit I know about him and, and just see him, he's, he probably understands that. He yeah. knows that. And he knows that's just part and parcel. And it's such a long way to go. They've got the FFA Cup against Sydney in a few weeks' time. Uh, they're in the final. They could win that. And this team can go and win you know, the, the championship and, and maybe the premiership too. So uh, it's still really early days, mate. But, uh, but Mark, I reckon everyone's under pressure there at City. After what they've spent, who they've got in, they're expected to win. Expectations in that group very, very high too. Mm. Would suggest we'll see what happens with uh, JBS. Uh, Socceroos, Thailand, what's going on? Uh, yes, yeah, so a couple of uh, the boys got in there early. They're going to get a nice little camp in. The yep. game's on the fifteenth. It gets Thailand, a, th- a team that hasn't won, in, hasn't got any points so far in the group. So you'd expect that we're going to win that. But already some changes to the squad. Tommy Urich, uh, knee ligaments in Holland uh, on the weekend. Uh, he, he's pulled out of the squad. Masaluongo is another one from QPR's pulled out of the squad. Mitch Langrex out. Uh, Luke Bratton, which we blow to City. They're playing so on first. Playing? Yeah, well, no, they've, got still, they've still got a fair few. They're bringing others in. Uh, but Luke Brennan's coming in, which will be a bit of a blow for Melbourne City because they're playing on Thursday night against uh, Newcastle Jets. He'll leave, and he's been a real fulcrum for, for the City team this year. He's going over to Thailand uh, and uh, joining the, the squad and a few others too. So um, it's one of those games I cannot see us losing this game. But, you know, there's so, there's so much of an expectation for this team at the moment. Um, and the fact that we've lost a few players, uh, you know, it's a World Cup qualifier. You don't know what's going to happen. Now, is there a special dispensation for that game as well because they're still in mourning for the King who passed away? Usually they don't, they don't even play organised uh, sporting events during the period of mourning, which goes for a quite a lengthy time, yeah. I believe. Uh, and at very least, when they do have games... Teams aren't let uh, supporters aren't let a cheer so or wear the gear. So is it a subdued atmosphere? Oh, but they've overturned all that. Okay. They're allowing they're allowing uh, away supporters. I'm not sure about their own, but away supporters to come in and wear you know their, their colours and, and cheer and so forth. So that's really great. I think common sense has prevailed there, but you've got to respect the culture and and, uh, and and what goes on in other countries during times like this. But that would have been really hard to do travelling over there. I know a lot of uh, soccer supporters are going there because they're, they're sort of doubling up with a trip to Thailand plus the game. And uh, they're going to be in party mood. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how respectful they can be. Now, when can we catch the Diego's? Yep, uh, Wednesday night, uh, tomorrow night. We're going over to um, Thailand to talk to someone in the camp there, which is really good. And, of course, final whistle after the game uh, on Thursday night uh, for two hours, uh, Newcastle Jets and Melbourne City here in Melbourne. All right, very good to talk to you. Great to have you back on the uh, on Thanks, the Cozy. Uh, <laughs> with me as well, Carlos Alberto Diego. So you can catch the boys uh, tomorrow night as well and final whistle to uh, post-match as well. So I'll keep you up to date with what's going on with victory, obviously. Uh, we see that. Kevin Musket, obviously, uh, feeling uh, a little bit of the heat. JVS already has been a point of discussion too with Melbourne City. Just hitting a couple of little speed humps on the <laughs> way through. I think that's uh, what it's been like.